All right. Well, as we uh, continue through June and into the summer and fall, we have several uh, really great announcements today of things coming up for really almost everyone in the church in some capacity. So, Kathy, why don't you come on up? Uh, this is Kathy Bodycomb. She heads up our women's ministry, and there's some, a couple events coming up for women. Here we go. <laughs> um, welcome. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. I did want to give you um, just some updates on what the women's ministry is going to be doing this summer. So we have two workshops coming up. One's in July. One's in August. We have sign-up sheets already for them. First one is going to be July 22nd, and it's a cooking workshop. And on August 12th, we have a card-making workshop. Both of them are going to be uh, facilitated by our very own Christine Hodge, um, who specializes in both of these things. So um, please go ahead and sign up. Your uh, spot will be secured by your payment. <laughs> so uh, we'd like you to, to pay in advance. Um, there, one is $15, one's $10. There's not, they're not too much. But there's a limit of 20 per each workshop. So uh, go ahead and sign up. Um, payments you can give to me. Um, but anyway, go ahead and do that. We're really looking forward to this. And thank you, Christine, for um, helping us uh, facilitate this. So it should be really fun to be part of this. A um, couple other things. Just check on the website for our Bible studies this summer. Some have taken the summer off. Some are still continuing. So just check the website about Bible studies. And um, in lieu of um, having a book club uh, this year, um, we have um, purchased some books that will that you can just pick up um, on the back table of the commons. I will be there. The sign-up sheets will be there. And these books by Jen Wilkins, uh, they're free. Uh, they're great books. One's called In His Image. It's 10 Ways God Calls Us to Reflect His Character. Um, excellent books. I have read these books. The next book by Jen Wilkins is None Like Him, and it's 10 Ways God is Different from Us. So 10 characteristics that we are not to uh, be necessarily like him, all powerful, all knowing. <laughs> we can't necessarily do that. And another one is called Women of the Word, and it's just basics how to study God's word, how to know it, how to apply it, how to read it. Um, so it's just great basics. So they're free. They're on the back table. The sign-up sheets are there. Um, so please come back there um, uh, during after church, and I will be there. So, um, and take a book for our reading this summer. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Kathy. And the Woman of the Word, uh, even though it's Woman of the Word, I've read it, and it's really good. So it's not just for the ladies. Um, so just saying, it's really good, good way to study the Bible uh, and things like that. So I have one announcement for us, youth group. Uh, and it's a bit of a praise report. You know, I know I shared last week, we're not going to be doing youth stuff, or at least regular youth group for the summer. But we went out with a bang, uh, and we invited new fifth graders. They're going to be going into, I should say, new sixth graders. Fifth graders going into sixth grade uh, as a welcome to Crossroads Youth Ministry. So we had a lot of fun. There was lots of games. We had pizza. Uh, and there was just, a, it was a great turnout. A lot of the students came out um, and I just got to say, I think, I don't know if that's the photo. Yes. Do you see Richie right there? 
and I'm right behind him. I just got to say, you know, he's done youth ministry way back in the day, and he still has it in him. Uh, because this particular game, everyone on the outside is trying to get the people on the inside out, and we lasted at least a good four minutes, maybe five. And so uh, uh, it was great. We had a lot of fun, um, and we will have some summer things coming up. Um, uh, we have some this month. We're going to be going to Mexico, and then we'll have our pool party, which I'll have some information later on, and then we've got some stuff for July and August. So stay tuned for that. Um, all those parents that know, I, I do send out the email regularly. Uh, if you do want to be on that email list, just let me know. I update regularly of what we're doing with Crossroads. So thank you. Good morning, church. Oh, what scratch? I've already done that one. Moving on. Solely business. Going to put some information up on the screens. You've heard me talk many times about the men's conference that gets put on in Fraser Park three times a year. Last week, we just finished our June gathering. The next will be in November. As you'll see from, we've got a couple of weeks out uh, for registration for that June meeting. Highly recommended. Uh, solely business, what is it? I'm going to defer to a young man from the flock, Reagan Wilson, that was there and let him give you his firsthand assessment as a first-time brother. Lunch is at noon. Okay. Thank you, Randy. How's it going, everybody? My name is Reagan. For those who uh, don't know me, um, I just want to start off by saying God is good. And all the time, yes, he was. So my, my first time up at Soli Business was a, it was an amazing experience. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, Matthew 18, 20, where, where two or three gather in my name, I am present. And I got to tell you, there was over 100 of us, and he was more than present. Um, from the moment we got up to the top of that mountain, it was just an overwhelming feeling of just love, happiness, joy, just togetherness, and the brotherhood was was very real. Um, it was it was really cool to see and hear all these uh, different testimonies and get to hear about what God has done in all these men's lives, and it was it was very touching. Um, yeah, there's there's a group of us. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, those are those are all the guys right there. We had there was a another big old group picture that we took, but yeah, it was it was a very 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 great experience. And for those who haven't gone yet or haven't really heard of anything, I would really uh, recommend you go and go at least once. You know, you get the food, yeah, all oh, they feed you like crazy too. Um, it is, yeah, I, I honestly think I gained a few pounds, thankfully. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just a, a very, very great experience and seeing what God has done in all these men's lives from taking them from the wilderness and bringing them to the mountain. And it really was a, a very mountaintop experience. Um, something that we talked about also is to not let that mountaintop experience be the pinnacle of our, you know, our relationship with the Lord. Because just like Joseph, we go up and down, but with his strength, through his, through his love, we can try to stay somewhat constant. I mean, and I know it's hard. It's really hard in my life even, but um, just knowing that he is always there and he loves you regardless, it's, it's amazing. And being able to share that with all these men on top of that mountain was just a, 
I mean, it was it was God's gift, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was that was my experience up at the mountain, and I, I want to bring that home to you guys as well. So, Amen. thank you. Yeah. And we had a great time. 160 men, 90 return host team brothers serving their brothers in Christ. 70 first timers. Time in the chapel, time together, time to unload some serious baggage. Time to be beginning an intimate relationship with six or eight other men at your table whom you've never met. The transformation and relationship of the men at the table between Friday at 1 o'clock and Sunday at 1 o'clock is incredible. But the Lord is there. He's there to meet you. And if you'll listen, you'll hear from him. Thank you. All right. Um, before we uh, do the Mexico announcement, Shai, can you put up the, uh, the registration for the Soul again? Uh, guys, I really want to draw your attention. It says the event date is November 3rd, but registration is, is really a, two weeks away. And it does fill up quickly. You, you really got to kind of jump on there the day of. So I uh, really encourage you. Uh, to, to make every effort to try to get out there. Um, but I really wanted to kind of point out the, the need uh, to register really as quickly as you can because it does fill up, okay? Just uh, draw your attention to that. Uh, before we uh, send off the Mexico team, I do want to uh, announce something very special happening on July 2nd, Sunday, July 2nd. Now, you know that uh, for years we have participated in the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association, a group of like five or six uh, churches get together once a month, uh, well, at our last June meeting, we found out that redemption traditionally uh, reserves a couple of areas at Seoul Park, and on July 2nd, they traditionally do an outdoor church service and have a barbecue afterwards. And so the senior pastors were sitting around a round table over at Redemption, and we're like, hey, we've never had a Sunday church service together. What do you think about and so we're the very first time the churches of the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association, we're going to do church together. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. at Seoul Park. And the redemption is going to be doing worship. Uh, Pastor Gavin from the Baptist Church is going to bring, bring in the word. And uh, afterwards, if you want to participate, we're get waiting for details from redemption. They're going to be doing a barbecue. Of course, you can bring your own food. Uh, so it's a special day to really, you know, and, and I was thinking about this in light of even the, the climate the culture that we're in, uh, how great is it for the church of Jesus Christ to gather as the body of Christ and worship the Lord at Soul Park, right? And really, um, I know that um, Good Friday service, you guys love that. When all the churches gather at Libyan, we celebrate Good Friday. And we have been looking and really seeking the Lord for opportunities as churches to gather and really be the body of Christ. And this one kind of came up, you know, it's a, a word you, Randy's favorite word around here, organically. And um, it was just, we're talking and we're sharing what's going on in the churches. And this just one thing led to another. And before we knew it, uh, we were going to have an OVMA church service and picnic. Uh, Sunday, July 2nd. Yes. Um, so here's, here's a, a, lo a logistical thing, just, just so you can help us out. Uh, we have reserved an area. Each church needs to reserve an area because there's a parking capacity and people capacity. But once you park in our area, we're all going to meander over to Redemption's area and have church and barbecue over there, right? 
But what we've been able to do is we've talked, uh, Pastor Tyler's done a great job. He's talked with the park, and we're going to try to facilitate free parking for you all. So, um, yeah, so there's a sign-up at the welcome card. All we need is just, you know, a family name. Just put your name down, and, and that represents a car. Now, you guys can carpool if you'd like. But if you put your name on that list, that tells us how many cars that we're going to prepay. Um, so you, when you guys get there, you can just not worry about it. I think it's $5 now. So, so no cost to attend church. Um, but we'd love to have you come out. Uh, of course, you can bring your own food and just your lawn chairs. And it's just going to be the church of the Ojai Valley worshiping together on a Sunday. Amen? Yeah. All right. So uh, if you do that, and once we get more details about the barbecue and sign-ups and cost, uh, we'll be sure to let you know about that. Okay? Uh, Mexico. Good morning. Uh, we are leaving in a week to go down to Mexico, and um, we're really excited, and we did receive information um, on the families that we're going to be building houses for, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. <clears throat> um, the first house, actually, is it the first house? We're out of which order they are. Okay. Um, the first picture is a family um, their name is the Cutino Reyes family. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, dad is Miguel, and he's a security guard. And Rubiselda is a factory worker. She's the mom. They have two kids, ages 15 and 13. Uh, and I'm just going to reach out with their own words, um, a letter from them. And it says, hello, <clears throat> I'm reaching out to you on behalf of my family and myself in hopes that we could be considered for one of your beautiful homes. Right now, my family of four is sharing one room all together. Every day, the dream of a home seems farther and farther away. We've never received any government help or help from an organization. I felt it was time to try. We believe that between the favor of the Lord and from your part, a home may become a reality for us. A home would mean a brighter future for our children. We hope it will encourage them to stay in school, which is something my husband and I weren't able to do. Thank you. So that's one of the families that we'll be building for um, next week. Not this coming week, but the following week. Uh, and the next family is the Vasquez Garcia family. Um, father is Noe, and he's a street vendor. The mother is Trinidad, and she does housekeeping. They have three children, ages 15, 6, and 4. Um, and this is the letter from their family. I'm reaching out to you, Homes of Hope, on behalf of my family of five. My family is currently living in a small room that we built. It's barely large enough to fit a full-size bed and a twin bed. It's impossible for us to make our home larger because of all the bills we have, including the land payment, school fees, and groceries. A member of our church reached out to us knowing that we need help and told us about Homes of Hope. She had received a home for her family and wanted to share the good news. I hope with all my heart that you're able to help our family. May God bless all of you for your beautiful hearts. Thank you for reading our letter. So these are the letters that they have written to Homes of Hope. Um, and we are so excited to go and meet them and build alongside them and to show them Christ's love, because um, that's really what we're there to do. And also just to grow as a church. Um, 
in relationship and in love for our Redeemer and Rescuer. So I just want to thank all of you. The Lord has provided abundantly for the trip um, through you and through other sources. Um, we've raised $31,258, which is beyond uh, what we were even needing for the house build. Um, so we're really thankful for that, and we're thankful for your prayers. Please be praying for these families. Be praying for the team. Uh, and before I come down, we're going to call the team up, and we'd love for the elders to come up and pray over um, those of us that will be heading down to Mexico for the build. Let's pray for this team. Father, God, thank you. Before the beginning of time, God, you knew that these people were going to answer the call to go to Mexico to build two homes for families that desperately need them. Father, God, would you protect them on their way to and from Mexico while they're on the job site? Lord, would you protect them, keep them safe? Lord, would you show favor over the families that are going to be having a new home that is going to radically change their lives? And Lord Jesus, would you be the center of everything that happens on this trip for their lifetime, for an eternity? God, would you go before this team in love, God? And would you anoint everything that is going to be happening there, every word that is going to be spoken, every prayer lifted up to you, God? for your will to be done. And Lord, we thank you that you are so, so good. Amen. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean... This feels great. Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay, okay. so let's start over. Okay. All right. Cat. I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh, I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. <laughs> well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, 
I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. All right. If we're honest, how many of you have ever uh, battled for the stool seat? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, you know, as they said in the video, any ever, anyone ever catch yourself one-cheeking it, as they say there in that video, right? I, I really uh, appreciate that, you know, kind of a humorous look at really a very challenging issue, and really this goes to the core of, of what we're going to be looking at today as we continue through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and really, the, the focal point is, is this, this heart issue of following Jesus. Following Jesus. Because at the core of following Jesus is really the issue of choice and really the issue of, of surrender and submission and, and him leading who's the boss. How many of you back, I think it was in the 80s or 90s, remember that sitcom, Who's the Boss? Right? So... Right, that, that issue that really, I'm, I'm guessing, several times a day, many of us are challenged with that, that literal question, well, who's the boss? Right? And we're going to be looking at this heart issue of, of what it is to follow Jesus. If you're joining us, welcome. Uh, welcome at home. We're going through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're going to read through Mark 1. We're starting 14 and 15. We'll pick up where where we left off. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, uh, when we started and we were looking at John the Baptist, this was a similar message of repentance that John the Baptist had. So so as I was kind of studying and praying through this, I, I just really felt like, you know what, we covered biblical repentance pretty well. Pretty well when we looked at that message and we saw that biblical repentance, you know, it's that kind of churchy word. And really, what is repentance? It's a heart issue. We saw that, right? At one point in my life, I was going my way. I was large and in charge, right? I came to faith. I came to know who Jesus was. I came to know that I needed a Savior. And repentance is literally just to make a U-turn and then now follow God. And when it comes to salvation, that's biblical repentance. But even daily, you, have, you may have an issue in your life. A sin issue, something that that really you're struggling to let go of. And when you repent of that, really what you're saying inwardly in your heart and between you and the Lord is, Lord, I'm turning from this issue. I choose to turn away from this issue, okay? And so I encourage you, uh, if you really uh, miss that or you're really, you know, God is speaking to you, maybe in the air of repentance, go back a few weeks and you can look at that, that message. Because today... There's a, there's a passage of scripture that really, really, I think the Lord wants us to really look at in terms of this issue of following, following him. And in Mark 1, it starts in verse 16. It says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, this is Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat 
with the hired servants and followed him. If you're not familiar with the geography of, of Israel, the Sea of Galilee is a, uh, just a beautiful body of water. There's a picture there, and, and the fishing industry uh, is alive and well there. Several what, early 2000s I had a chance to, to visit there, and we went to the Sea of Galilee, and, and either there's a fish called St. Peter's Fish there, and, and there's fishermen that are casting their nets and mending their nets, and and so, uh, you know, the context here is that Jesus is walking alongside the Sea of Galilee, and he comes along uh, his disciples. Now, what's, what, what you may not know in the context, because, again, this is one of those passages in Mark that kind of happens, and then it, we, he seems to move on. This actually isn't the first time that Jesus has met Andrew and Simon. In John 1... Uh, before John the Baptist was arrested, in John 1, he tells us in John 1, verses 35 to 42, that John is with, his, with Andrew and Simon, and Jesus shows up, and John says, behold the Lamb of God, right? So he announces who Jesus is, Andrew's there, and then later in that passage, it says that Andrew, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ, Right, So they had had this previous meeting with Jesus when John the Baptist was still free. He wasn't in prison. And many believe that when he says, we have found the Messiah, that Andrew and Peter had already come to faith by the time that they came to this passage. So when Jesus says, hey, follow me, it's not necessarily a salvation message in like terms of follow me and get saved. He's like, hey, you who are professing that I am Messiah... You have put your faith in me as Messiah. I want you to follow me. It's more of a discipleship, just a discipleship message. And that, that, I think, brings us really into 2023 because most of you, I know most of you and I know many of you at home, uh, you're followers of Jesus. You would profess to be Christians, right? And in fact, the word Christian really is, has two parts of it. There's Christ and there's the suffix I-A-N. And sometimes we don't, we don't really think about it that way. But that suffix, I-A-N, means belonging to. It's kind of like belonging to a certain political party. So if you were a follower of, like, King Herod, you would be a Herodian, right? Or follower of Jordan, a Jordian, right? <laughs> or something, right? So if you're a Christian, you're Christ, and you are professing to be a, a follower or belong to Christ, Okay, And so Jesus comes upon these two uh, guys, and, and he says, you know what? Hey, follow me. And we're going to look at the significance of that, because in verse 16, again, it says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Very interesting, right off the bat, Jesus comes to these blue-collar guys. Fishermen were just common blue-collar guys. And, it's, and Jesus, think about this. He didn't go to the seminaries. He didn't go to find the intellectuals. He didn't go to, to the, find the, the people of high status and social rank and wealth. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee. He sees two blue-collar guys, pretty much like most of us here. And this is who he calls to follow him. And, and I say that because that's encouraging. That's encouraging. It should be encouraging to you. 
Sometimes the way we do church here, it's really polished and, and you know, there's great singers and then people come up and they, they can communicate really well. And somehow we get this, this distinction between clergy and lady and that can lead us to think, oh, well, God can't use me. I'm just. I'm just an attender. I'm just. No, no, you're not just anything. If you're a believer in Jesus, you can make a difference for the kingdom. Amen. And you should find great encouragement. In fact, look what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you, few of you, were wise in the world's eyes or powerful, powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing to what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. How many find great encouragement in that, right? He calls these blue-collar fishermen, and the church explodes, and because it's just common, everyday folk, who gets the glory? God. God gets the glory, and I, and I want to really encourage you. Where you are as a follower of Jesus, to whatever biblical knowledge you know, God can use you. God can use you. Sometimes people are like, well, you know, I, I don't have a testimony. Let me tell you, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you are now born again, your name is written in the book of life and the Bible says you're a new creation, you have a testimony. Amen. Because sometimes, again, the way we do testimonies in church is like we bring up someone and they were really down and out and maybe had substance abuse issues and just had a horrific life. They met Jesus and suddenly things got turned around, right? And you hear that and you celebrate that, right? Teen Challenge and all this. You celebrate that. But what about all the people who didn't have such a horrific life and still are saved? What that inadvertently does is like, well, I don't have a testimony. I'm like, yeah, you do. Because the Bible says without Jesus, you were spiritually dead. You were lost. You were, your name wasn't in the book of life. You weren't a new creation. You didn't have the Holy Spirit, right? You have a testimony. And I'm going to tell you right now, where you are in your station in life, whatever economic level, whatever social level, here's the thing. God has people around you that he needs you to reach. Because you match where they are. You're the ambassador to that peer group. You won't be interacting with people socially, economically, racially, whatever, places that I can't go. People that will listen to you more than they'll listen to me. Why? Because they see you as a peer. They see you as one of them. Right? So don't, don't create these false compartments where, oh, wait, I got to study more, and I need, to, I need to attain a certain level. Then God can use me. Truth is, you can go to lunch after church, and God can use you at the restaurant. Amen? Right? How about just by being kind? How about just by putting a smile on your face? How about by tipping? Amen. Right? Yeah, Bobby, right? Yeah, you know. You work there, right? <laughs> yeah. I was about to do a shout-out, but I probably won't do a shout-out to where you work. If you're in Ventura and you happen to see Bobby at a certain place... He would appreciate it. Anyway, so um, it's so refreshing that, God, that Jesus, God, calls blue-collar fishermen right off the bat. That should encourage you. 
That should inspire you, right? Because we, it's in, in, as Christians, sometimes we always feel like we're less than, we're less than, we're less than. If only, if only. No. How many of you know, like, John 3, 16? Not even, not even, like, fully memorized, but, like, know, know it well enough to squeak by. Anyone know John 3, 16? Okay, you're equipped to go share the gospel. What more do you need to know? What more do you need to know? How many of you can profess that one time you didn't know Jesus? You met Jesus by faith. You put your faith in him. You've been born again. You've been redeemed. He's changing your life. How many of you can just say it that simply? Then you're good to go. All right, be encouraged. He's walking along. He calls out to blue-collar guys. Hey, you blue-collar guys, come follow me. Right? I love that. I love that, right? And then in verse 17, right, he says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. The, the order is really important here, right? Jesus is the one who does the transforming. Okay? Uh, Shai, can you put that back up, please? Right? Jesus said to them, it's the last sentence there, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. We're going to focus on this order. It's very important. Who does the transforming? Jesus does the transforming, right? Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Who does the transforming? Jesus. What are we supposed to do? Ah. See, you got to keep that order in order. Because sometimes we flip that and we try to do the transforming without following. And that's where it turns into morality and self-righteousness and works and externals. And we start to feel good because we're doing this. Look at me. Look what I'm accomplishing as a Christian. I, 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 I. And you don't even need Jesus anymore. I got this. Weird way, right? The order is, follow me, and I will make you. I love that because, again, I'm pretty simple. I love the fact that I'm just supposed to follow. Amen? Now, it's not easy, but we follow. And in the following comes the transformation. Okay? Don't miss that. In the following comes the transformation. Why? Because we're going to see when he calls us to follow him, Oh, my goodness. It's right back to the stool. And in the following, the more you and I let him be on the stool and make the decisions, and the more you and I surrender and submit to his will, the more you and I get transformed. Because he's on the stool. And we're following. Okay, I just... It, sometimes, again, all this stuff, we got to read another book. I got to read another. I got to listen to another podcast. No, what we really need, if you want to be more like Jesus, is to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus at home. Follow Jesus at work. Follow Jesus wherever you are. Just be a follower of Jesus. Desire to honor him. Desire to glorify him. Desire to walk in the spirit 24-7. Desire to follow him. And he will make you more like him. Right? How many of you uh, remember... Uh, your middle school, high school, maybe elementary days, you ever see these, these students, maybe at the beginning of the year, they all kind of make their new peer groups or a new kid comes in. And How many of you have seen pockets of students at school or outside of school, but just pockets of students who after a while tend to dress the same? 
tend to talk the same, tend to come to, they just become like little clones of each other, right? Right? And then a new kid comes in and they welcome in and could be a completely different social thing, but he gets, he or she gets folded into this group and suddenly they're dressing the same, they're talking the same, they want the same thing, right? What is happening? They just decided to follow. They made a choice to follow and this transformation into the image of the group, right? It's kind of the same thing with Jesus and the church. The more you come and you worship the Lord or in his word and to pray, the more you come to church, Bible studies, fellowship, uh, cooking workshops, right? Solely business. The more you're around the people of God, guess what? The more you become like the people of God. Amen? That's one of the reasons you got to be here. You want to be in fellowship. That's why it's important is just to be around people with the common biblical worldview, common, you know, understanding of what it is to follow. Because as you are more around us, you become more like us, more like Jesus. Okay? Chuck Swindoll says this, right? How do we live with worry and stress and fear? How do we withstand these joy stealers? Let me be downright practical and tell you what I do. First, I remind myself early in the morning and on several occasions during the day, God, you are at work and you are in control. And Lord God, you know this is happening. You were there at the beginning and you will bring everything that occurs to a conclusion that results in your greater glory in the end. And then, then and only then, I relax. From that point on, it really doesn't matter all that much what happens it is in God's hands. That's the heart of a follower. That's the heart of someone who stepped out and said, you know what? You're on the stool. You're in control. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rest in you. How many of you have ever had that moment, like Chuck Swindoll, when you literally had to say to the Lord, Lord, you know this is happening. Anyone ever had those moments in life where, Lord, I don't like this. I don't even know why it's happening, but I find great comfort and peace that you know this is happening. Amen? Why? Because we follow him. He's in control. We, 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 we follow him. Okay? So the order is important. We follow, he forms. We follow, he transforms. Okay? What's really interesting about this topic of following, though, it's amazing. Uh, how many of you are on social media? Just a little bit. Okay, come on. It's okay. You have permission to raise your hands. Like, if I raise my hand, he's going to think less of me, right? Instagram? Anyone on Instagram? Right? Really big on social media is followers, right? Number of followers, right? Because number of followers is sort of an indication of popularity, legitimacy, credibility, right? Number of followers, right? Did you know? See, this is under the, under the topic of things as a pastor you research and discover that you didn't know. Right? Did you know you can buy followers? <laughs> Literally, you can buy followers, you can buy views, and you can buy likes. You can. Legit. Legit. Like, you can. This one company, I'm thinking about this for the well, I'm just saying, because we do have an Instagram. Check this out. Check this out. 20,000 followers for $99.99. <laughs> now, I like the like part because we post sermons. 
So I'm going to buy me a bunch of likes for every sermon. 100 bucks, I'm going to get 10,000 likes. We're going to get more likes than there are people in Ojai. You can buy followers. They're fake. They're like fake. It's crazy, right? You can buy likes. You can buy views. Why? So that when someone looks at your profile like, oh, dude, the well, they got 20,000 followers. There's like 80 people there. (laughs) Bro, that's the Lord, you know? Like, we're so superficial, right? Like, you can buy followers. And the crazy thing is, apart from buying followers, when you follow someone on social media, truth be known, there's no investment. There's no sacrifice, right? And in fact, following someone on social media comes from, I like what you do for me. I like the value you give me. It's all me-centered. That's why I I follow you, because I like what you do. You entertain me. You educate me, whatever. It's very self-centered. And, and I'm concerned that this word following and followers on social media has bled into the church. Because if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, we're about to see it's more than just thumbs up and clicking something, you know? And yet, in the church even, we get kind of caught up in this status thing. You know, I've shared with you before. You know, you go to a pastor's conference, and, and inevitably, amongst pastors, the, the question of questions, well, how many people come to your church? Right? So it's not just followers, it's attendance amongst the pastors, kind of the pecking order, right? And I've shared with you before, my answer when someone says, how many people come to the well? I say, under a 1,000. Is that truthful? Huh? Yeah, you like that, huh? Gloria's like, yeah, I like Right? Because why? A thousand. Oh, they're legit. Oh, they, you know, it's, it's hilarious. I just look at their reaction like, dude, really? I'm just, and then I just leave them. I just walk away. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, he has under a thousand. <laughs> right? What is that? What is that? That's how we're wired, right? Kind of external, these things. And, and then I get concerned, right? Even in, in, in our faith, right? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Is it something you buy online? Is it something you just check a box? I, you know, I, I attend the well. I'm a follower of Jesus because I attend. Is that it? You know? Jesus is really calling these blue-collar guys to something much more than that. In fact, the word follow, it's a command. It's an exhortation. It says, he's, do it now. When he says follow me, he's like, do it now. In the, in the literal translation, it says this in Mark 1.17. This is the Young's literal translation. Jesus said to them, come ye after me, and I shall make you to become fishers of men. So that word follow means, you know what? You get behind me. Come behind me and follow me. Like, get behind me, right? Now, how many of you growing up, and maybe even right now if you're honest, have a wee bit of an issue with authority? How many of you are sitting next to someone? Thank you, Mark, for your uh, appreciation. I appreciate that. Now, wait, which way does that go? You have an issue? <laughs> right. How many, okay, let's just be honest because I'm guessing. How many, I'll just make it more broad. At one point in your life, had an issue with being told what to do by a higher authority. Thank you very much, right? So Jesus says, follow me, which means come after me, 
Follow my lead, right? And so right off the bat, this word following requires a choice. Requires a choice to follow. You know, Jonathan Lehman says this. When we pull off the somewhat secularized mask of individualism, what we find behind it is a fear of, nay, a hatred of authority. It's not relationships that people are so afraid of. People long for relationships. Rather, it's a particular kind of relationship that people despise. The real problem, then, is not finally individualism. It's anti-authorityism. Loneliness is not the problem. A refusal to live life on anyone else's terms is. And that's kind of a rubber meets the road when it comes to Jesus. Because when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, live your life on my terms. Follow me. A few years back, we did a look at biblical discipleship. And what did it mean when, when students would want to follow a rabbi around, right? And, and we may look at that more next week. And back in this culture, if I wanted to be a follower of a rabbi, here's what it meant. It didn't just mean that I wanted to learn what the rabbi knows. Ultimately, what it meant was I want to be the rabbi. I want to be like the rabbi, right? And so in the context, there was this prayer from the Mishnah, which said this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Powerful imagery we looked at. This is way back in 2017. Discipleship in this culture meant, you are my rabbi, I'm your Talmud or your student. I'm going to follow you so closely, 24-7, 365. I'm going to copy your mannerisms. When you eat, I eat. How you talk, I talk. When you sleep, I sleep. Because I'm following you so closely that I'm covered in your dust, the dust, your dust because I don't want to just learn intellectual knowledge. I want to be you. That's the culture of following. So when Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple, we're to follow Jesus so close that we would be covered in his dust. That's a lot different than clicking something that's on social media, right? And, and in the Amplified version, the same verse says this. And Jesus said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. And I will make you fishers of men. Woo! Suddenly, follow takes on a huge breadth and depth of meaning. And now you understand, if we follow, why the transformation happens, right? Because if I'm truly following Jesus, he is master, he is Lord, I am submitted to him, I want to walk behind him, I want to walk the same road, and I can't help but be more like him if I do that. The challenge is... We like to kind of be selective, and we're going to talk about that. Rather than being all in, we tend to be selective, and we're going to talk about why that would be. And notice he says, follow me. This is really important. Jesus did not say, follow a certain church, follow a certain pastor, follow a certain podcaster, follow a certain author, follow a certain denomination. He did not say, hey, follow a set of rules or traditions or principles. Follow morality. He didn't say any of that. What did he say? Follow 
And that's where, again, some of us in our faith kind of get stuck. Because rather than following Jesus, over time it can slide into following principles and rules and traditions that actually supersede our relationship with Jesus. And that can be a sticking point for some. I know for me, coming out of, you know, I was raised in the Catholic Church since I was this big. It's all I knew till I was in college. And I understand commandments and I understand all of that. And that's how my relationship with God. And I shared with you before, when, when I started to come to faith and my wife would bring me to this Bible study on Friday nights and I was still seeking and kind of searching. I remember coming to this Bible study and they would sing these songs and they would pray and I'm like, man, this is different. They're, they're singing as if God's actually listening. They're singing out of like love and they talk to God as if he wants to hear them and they're talking conversationally and it's not all memorized. And, and it was this relational component that really intrigued me and really drew me in a large part to want to know more about Jesus because they were relating to following Jesus. And what I really liked, which kind of is even like this being a community church, is that that Friday night Bible study, there were people from all different churches. So it wasn't even sponsored by one church. It was just this group of believers who gathered on Friday nights to follow Jesus. And to me, that was so refreshing and so freeing. I was like, I wonder if I wanted this to follow Jesus. Okay. Okay. And so you remember in Matthew 22, Jesus, someone asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest command? Right? He says, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, right? New covenant, it's about love. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's rooted in love. And then what does Jesus himself say? John 14, Jesus replied, all who what? Love me will do what I say. Our desire to follow Jesus, to obey his word, is rooted in love. Love, okay, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's, here's a bit of a challenge for some of us, myself included. This idea of loving God with all my being and letting my life be a manifestation of obedience and of faith rooted in love, it can be challenging when I've been raised sort of in, in a home and with authority and all this kind of stuff to focus on obedience, just do it because I said so. Anyone? I don't care how you feel. Just do it, right? And so this idea of trust and obedience in the following, that's a hard issue that some of us may need to camp on and kind of really let God through the Holy Spirit really speak to your heart. Because uh, I was reading through Jerry Bridges' book, Trusting God, and, and it really, really, he says something here that really I think is helpful for me and helpful for you. He says this. It often seems more difficult to trust God than to obey him. The moral will of God given to us in the Bible is rational and reasonable. The circumstances in which we must trust God often appear irrational and inexplicable. Obeying God is worked out within well-defined boundaries of God's revealed will. 
Trusting God is worked out in an arena that has no boundaries. We do not know the extent, the duration, or the frequency of the painful, adverse circumstances in which we must frequently trust God. We are always coping with the unknown. Do you see this? At the core, when Jesus says, hey, follow me, at the core of this, okay, don't miss this, he's calling them to trust him. It's a call to trust. And think about that video, right? What was the issue when she was fighting for who's on the stool? Trust. Because if you and I trust God, why wouldn't we let him be on the stool? It's when you and I get a little bit nervous about trusting God with our money, with our relationships, with what we need to do, that we sort of want to get back on that stool And it's not an obedience issue necessarily. It's a trust issue. It's a trust issue, right? And and if you look at this passage, it's really interesting because Jesus says this. Let's put up Mark 1, 16 to 18. It says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus coming along again. He sees fishermen doing what they do best. He sees guys who are experts. He sees guys who have done this for a living. This is how they provide for their families. They know the Sea of Galilee. They know how to cast the net. They know how to mend the net. Jesus comes into their strength. Jesus comes into what they know, their wheelhouse. And he says, hey, follow me. And what are, they, what are they being asked to do? Leave what they know. Leave their source of security. Leave everything that gives them a sense of confidence and identity. Everything. Question for us. Question. Because the Bible says they left their nets. The net was the key. Without the net, you don't get fish. Without fish, you don't eat. Right? They left their nets. The thing that was most dear and necessary for them, what? To survive. He comes into their wheelhouse, and he calls them to trust him enough to leave their nets. Question. What is your safety net? When Jesus says, come follow me. What gets, what do you do like this? Your 401k, your finances, your relationships, your health, your job, your career. What is it that, that you and I, your possessions, your house, your car, hobbies, sports, entertainment, what is it that gives you that sense of, I'm good. I'm good. I got life. Life is good. I got it. I got it. What is it that you're holding on to? What's the net or the nets, right, that that you and I cling to right now? Not that you're not a believer, but right now, it's what you're banking on for your deepest security, your deepest survival. Because it says they left their nets. A fisherman without a net is done. Now, why is this challenging? I've learned this, and, you know, I, again, just in my own walk and how our brains are wired. I have learned over the last several months that there's a part of our brain, neuroscience, 
that is hardwired for survival. We're hardwired. There's a part of your brain through, you know, years, thousands of years, that, like, we were hardwired for survival. So, like, if you saw a saber-toothed tiger or a Tyrannosaurus Rex or mountain lion, part of your brain is hired, hardwired to go, ah! Survival, fight, flight, or freeze, right? We're hardwired for that, right? So we're, our, part of our brain is hardwired to what? Survive. And that's a good thing. The challenging supernatural call of Jesus requires us to follow him when everything in your brain is like, warning, 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 warning. That's the challenging part of following Jesus. He calls us into the unknown. He calls us to leave the nets and to trust him completely. And everything you know is going, you're going to die. But what's crazy in Mark 8, he says, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Isn't that crazy? He actually says, if you will follow me, lose your life, trust me enough. That I know what's good for you. That I'm good. And all the time. Right? You trust me enough. If you lose your life, meaning give up the net, leave your net, come follow me, you will find your life. You'll actually find it. It's in the following that we're transformed. It's in the holding on to the net that we're trapped. Right? It's in the holding on to the net that we get stuck. Now, the grace is, now you might know why. Because you're hardwired to survive. And part of you is really battling with survival. That's why it takes an act of God. That's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. When it says they immediately left, that's God moving in them. That's God moving. How many of you have had an experience of God when he's called you to do something and you know it was God because only God could have got you to do that? Amen? You're like, whoa. Right? He goes and he calls them to follow him in their strength, in their wheelhouse, to leave their very source of survival, to trust him that much. Right? And the crazy thing is, these blue-collar guys, common guys, they do it. They do it. And so I just want to encourage you. One, one encouragement. What is it other than the Lord and your relationship with him that you're banking on for security? Where is your security really rooted? What's your safety net, right? I talked about some tangible things. How about some intangibles? How about comfort, convenience, pride, self-image, fear, fear of failure, fear of what people think about you, fear of persecution, giving up control? When Jesus is calling me, he's calling you to come follow him, what is it that's the point of resistance for you? That it's not even necessary that you're being rebellious, Like, hmm, I don't want to. That might be it. But actually, honestly, what terrifies you about it? What are you scared of? Because I'm going to guess most of you 
maybe all of you, it's not necessarily that you're rebels and you don't trust them and you don't believe in it. No. Most of us, we hesitate because we're scared. We're just scared. And that's where faith comes in. And that's where the body of Christ comes in. Not when you're just doing things that you shouldn't do and people are going to tell you, you shouldn't. No. The body of Christ, the church comes alongside you and you, you find a relationship and you say, you know what? I really feel like God's calling me to do this, but I'm scared. I think maybe someone here, someone at home, just needs to be able to find a freedom in a brother and sister in Christ to literally just say, I'm scared. And I get that. Because maybe in your life there's betrayal. There's pain. Someone said that you could trust them and you tried and you, you went all into trust and at the human level you just got smashed. And along comes Jesus and he says, trust me. And you're like, ah, <laughs> no, 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 not so quick. Because I am terrified of getting hurt to that degree again. Thank you very much, Jesus. I get that. So I share this because sometimes, you know, again, the following precedes the forming. And sometimes the following, I've just learned this in, in 30 years of ministry and 30 plus years of following Jesus. Sometimes the first step of following is to identify what the challenge is. Just identify. Not with guilt, not with condemnation, not with shame. Just identify it. And for some today, it might just be, yeah, I'm struggling with following Jesus because I'm just really terrified about where he might take me. Amen? You just don't know. We like to know. How many of you like to know? How many of you like to be in control? Just a little bit. How many of you don't like when you don't know where the person's driving you? Like, where are we going? I'll tell you. That's the worst thing. Someone says, hey, just, just go. Where are we going? I don't know. You'll, you'll find out. I'm like, no. You'll tell me. Right? And Jesus is like, follow me. Where are we going, Jesus? Just follow me. Mm. Right? And so maybe today, if, if, if this has been helpful, when Jesus comes into the wheelhouse of the fishermen, into their strength, into their expertise, into everything they've, they've relied on to survive, and he says, come follow me, maybe today he's just asking you to be honest about what your safety net would be. And maybe that can be a cause of some plateauing, some challenge for you to continue to be sanctified. What is it you're holding on to? What's your net? Okay? And then, you know, they do leave. And I want to encourage us, maybe it's not just a heart issue of something that you're holding on to. Maybe you might be sensing that God is actually calling you to do something to actually make a change in your life. And I just want to encourage you with this. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs fifteen twenty two: Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. There may be times in your life when God calls you to step out in faith and into the unknown. And to leave what you thought was going to be your, you know, safety. 
Then you know before, I went to UCLA. After UCLA, I was at U University of San Diego Law School. Got involved in ministry and really felt like God was calling me to get involved with youth ministry. That was a doozy of a decision to go from law school and an attorney, and if I'm very honest with you, the financial component of being an attorney, because I was raised down that success track that I was going to do that and I was going to get the house and the cars and everything that the world said comes with being a, an attorney. And then God starts moving over here and to be a youth pastor. And I'll just be honest with you, the income differentiation is quite large. And so what did I have to do? I had to seek counsel. And it wasn't an overnight, you know, just spur of the moment, reckless thing. And I prayed and I was like, oh, gosh. You know, I had to deal with what are my parents going to think? What are my relatives going to think? I have a bunch of attorneys in my, my family genealogy. You know, I got a Supreme Court justice in another country in my genealogy. And I'm like, what are they all going to say? You know, like all this weight to follow Jesus into youth ministry. And I loved the, the initial question. They were generally supportive, but literally the, the question that I knew was coming is, how much does that pay? <laughs> Not as much in this attorney. Let's just call it that, right? And I share this little bit of a story with you because there might be times in your life when God does call you to follow him, and it does mean a change. One principle, seek counsel. Seek counsel from brothers and sisters in Christ who are mature in their faith, who will genuinely pray, and here's the key thing, who are not yes people, who will be honest with you, who will tell you the truth, okay? If you're seeking counsel, you give them permission to actually say it like it is. How many of you used to watch American Idol when it was real popular and they would have people up there who could not sing, right? And then they would say, you know, Simon Cowell, who told you you could sing, you know? And he's like, oh, my mom, my dad, my relatives. They said I was the best singer ever. He's like, they lied. <laughs> and now you just embarrassed yourself on national TV, right? Because they needed to be told the truth. And even within the church, I've had people come up in years, not here, but in other churches where they wanted to be in youth ministry, and we would give them a shot. And after a while, I had to sit down and say, I don't think this is for you. I don't think the gift set's there. It's just not. And they received it. They would be able you know. It's not easy to say, but you need to surround people. When it says seek counsel, it means genuinely seek those who love you enough to tell you the truth in love. Amen? Because you're trusting God to speak truth to you. It's easy to find yes people. Right? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay? Seek counsel. And so we're going to continue just looking at, at this issue of following Jesus. I, I was like, I think we've got to go two weeks here. Because that issue of who's on the stool, I think some of you are going to face it before you put your head down on your pillow tonight. It's going to come up, right? And maybe today a light, a little bit has been shown that when Jesus says, follow me, maybe you just have to work through some trust issues with him. Maybe you have to be real and identify, okay, Lord, if I'm honest with you, these are, my, these are my nets. This is what I've been, these are my wheelhouse, this is my strength, this is what I kind of my go-to when I get nervous, when I get anxious about the future, when I get, uh, this is my go-to, this is my default, and maybe just identify them. 
and then work through if you're really willing to give them to him and to follow him, to trust him, to simply trust him, okay? So, Father, thank you for our time together. Jesus, you came to some fishermen along the Sea of Galilee, and you simply said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Sounds really, really simple and basic, but if we understand the context, man, oh man, I appreciate so, more, so much more what these fishermen did. You went into their wheelhouse. You went into their strength. You went into their area of expertise, their area of survival, how they provided, their area of, of just comfort and, and everything they knew. You went in there and you challenged them to leave that and to trust you. And so, Father, I'm asking this morning, just speak loving truth to us. If there's areas in our own walk with you that are hindering our following because we're not trusting you, because we're scared, then would you please identify them and then begin the process of transforming us because we do want to follow you. I know my brothers and sisters here, they want to follow you. But you also know our frame and how fragile we are. You know our weaknesses, you know our hurts, you know where our journey has taken us, you know the ups and the downs. And especially when it comes to trust, you know the betrayals. So Father, in the midst of all that, we seek you. We seek the peace that only comes from you. Help us to trust you. As we identify each of these areas, each of these safety nets, help us to trust you and to give it to you. And then, Lord, if someone is here and they're pondering a life change, perhaps, that would require a step of faith into the unknown, I pray that you would surround them with loving, truthful counsel. Brothers and sisters in Christ that would speak the word, that would pray, but would also be very honest as they give counsel. And so if you are here and you recognize that the Lord is maybe just spoken to you this morning about trust. And maybe you are, if you're honest, you would say, I'm, I'm scared. There are areas in my life that I'm so reliant on and so self-reliant on and so self-sufficient in that honestly to follow Jesus scares me. If that's you, would you put your hand up so I can pray for you? Father, I pray for those who have raised their hands and have acknowledged that there's areas where they, they, they need your grace. They need the Holy Spirit's enabling power to confront the fear and to walk in faith and victory as they follow you one step at a time. So give them that courage. Give them the supernatural strength they need to be obedient and to trust you. Father, thank you for our time. We do pray for the Mexico team in this uh, week of preparation that you would be glorified. Thank you for the abundant provision that you brought for the homes. Thank you that we get to be a part of these two families. 
So we pray for the team and, uh, Lord, all that's going to happen uh, the days and weeks ahead here at the well that you would be glorified and that we would edify and encourage one another to simply follow and let you do the forming. So we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything that maybe the God has spoken to your heart about, come forward. Uh, Randy will be up here and others that would just love to pray with you if there's something God has put on your heart. Maybe it's an area that you need just prayer to, to trust him, to trust him, to take a step to follow Jesus. We'd love to pray with you. All right? Otherwise, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. All right. Well, as we uh, continue through June and into the summer and fall, we have uh, several really great announcements today of things coming up for really almost everyone in the church in some capacity. So, Kathy, why don't you come on up? Uh, this is Kathy Bodycomb. She heads up our women's ministry, and there's some, a couple events coming up for women. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> um, welcome. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. I did want to give you um, just some updates on what the women's ministry is going to be doing this summer. So we have two workshops coming up. One's in July. One's in August. We have sign-up sheets already for them. First one is going to be July 22nd, and it's a cooking workshop. And on August 12th, we have a card-making workshop. Both of them are going to be uh, facilitated by our very own Christine Hodge, um, who specializes in both of these things. So um, please go ahead and sign up. Your uh, spot will be secured by your payment. <laughs> so uh, we'd like you to, to pay in advance. Um, there, one is $15, one's $10. There's not, they're not too much. But there's a limit of 20 per each workshop. So uh, go ahead and sign up. Um, payments you can give to me. Um, but anyway, go ahead and do that. We're really looking forward to this. And thank you, Christine, for um, helping us uh, facilitate this. So it should be really fun to be part of this. A um, couple other things. Just check on the website for our Bible studies this summer. Some have taken the summer off. Some are still continuing. So just check the website about Bible studies. And um, in lieu of um, having a book club uh, this year, um, we have um, purchased some books that will that you can just pick up um, on the back table of the commons. I will be there. The sign-up sheets will be there. And these books by Jen Wilkins, uh, they're free. Uh, they're great books. One's called In His Image. It's 10 Ways God Calls Us to Reflect His Character. Um, excellent books. I have read these books. The next book by Jen Wilkins is None Like Him, and it's 10 Ways God is Different from Us. So 10 characteristics that we are not to... Uh, be necessarily like him, all-powerful, all-knowing. <laughs> we can't necessarily do that. And another one is called Women of the Word, and it's just basics how to study God's Word, how to know it, how to apply it, how to read it. Um, so it's just great basics. So they're free. They're on the back table. The sign-up sheets are there. Um, so please come back there um, uh, during after church and I will be there. So, um, and take a book for our reading this summer. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Kathy. And the Woman of the Word, uh, even though it's Woman of the Word, I've read it, and it's really good. So it's not just for the ladies. Um, so 
Just saying, it's really good, good way to study the Bible uh, and things like that. So I have one announcement for us, youth group, uh, and it's a bit of a praise report. You know, I know I shared last week, we're not going to be doing youth stuff, or at least regular youth group for the summer, but we went out with a bang, uh, and we invited new fifth graders that are going to be going into, I should say new sixth graders, fifth graders going into sixth grade, uh, as a welcome to Crossroads Youth Ministry so we had a lot of fun. There was lots of games. We had pizza, uh, and there was just a, it was a great turnout. A lot of the students came out, um, and I just gotta say, I think I don't know if that's the photo. Yes, do you see Richie right there? And I'm right behind him. I just gotta say, you know, he's done youth ministry way back in the day, and he still has it in him uh, because this particular game, everyone on the outside is trying to get the people on the inside out, and we lasted at least a good four minutes, maybe five. <laughs> and so uh, uh, it was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, and we will have some summer things coming up. Um, uh, we have some this month. We're going to be going to Mexico, and then we'll have our pool party, which I'll have some information later on. And then we've got some stuff for July and August. So stay tuned for that. Um, all those parents that know, I, I do send out the email regularly. Uh, if you do want to be on that email list, just let me know. I update regularly of what we're doing with Crossroads. So, thank you. Good morning, church. Oh, what? Scratch. I've already done that one. Moving on. Solely business. Going to put some information up on the screens. You've heard me talk many times about the men's conference that gets put on in Fraser Park three times a year. Last week, we just finished our June gathering. The next will be in November. As you'll see from, we've got a couple of weeks out uh, for registration for that June meeting. Highly recommended, uh, solely business, what is it? I'm going to defer to a young man from the flock, Reagan Wilson, that was there and let him give you his firsthand assessment as a first time brother. Lunch is at noon. Okay. Thank you, Randy. How's it going, everybody? My name is Reagan, for those who uh, don't know me. Um, I just want to start off by saying God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Yes, he was. So my, my first time up at Soli Business was a, it was an amazing experience. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, Matthew eighteen twenty, where where two or three gather in my name, I am present in... I got to tell you, there was over a hundred of us, and he was more than present. Um, from the moment we got up to the top of that mountain, it was just an overwhelming feeling of just love, happiness, joy, just togetherness, and the brotherhood was was very real. Um, it was it was really cool to see and hear all these uh, different testimonies and get to hear about what God has done in all these men's lives, and it was, it was very touching. Um, yeah, there's, there's a group of us, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, those are, those are all the guys right there. We had, there was a, another big old group picture that we took, but yeah, it was, it, it was a very, very, very great experience, and for those who haven't gone yet or haven't really heard of anything, I would really uh, recommend you go and Go at least once, you know. You get the food, yeah, oh, they feed you like crazy, too. Um, it is, yeah, I, I honestly think I gained a few pounds, thankfully. Um, 
But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just a, a very, very great experience. And seeing what God has done in all these men's lives from taking them from the wilderness and bringing them to the mountain. And it really was a, a very mountaintop experience. Um, something that we talked about also is to not let that mountaintop experience be the pinnacle of our, you know, our relationship with the Lord. Because just like Joseph, we go up and down. But with his strength, through his, through his love, we can try to stay somewhat constant. I mean, and I know it's hard. It's really hard in my life even, but um, just knowing that he is always there and he loves you regardless, it's, it's amazing. And being able to share that with all these men on top of that mountain was just, a, I mean, it was, it was God's gift really. So um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was my experience up at the mountain and I, I want to bring that home to you guys as well. So Amen. thank you. We had a great time. 160 men, 90 return host team brothers serving their brothers in Christ. 70 first timers, time in the chapel, time together, time to unload some serious baggage. Time to be beginning an intimate relationship with six or eight other men at your table whom you've never met. The transformation and relationship of the men at the table between Friday at 1 o'clock and Sunday at 1 o'clock is incredible. But the Lord is there. He's there to meet you. And if you listen, you'll hear from him. Thank you. All right. Um, before we uh, do the Mexico announcement, Shai, can you put up the, uh, the registration for the Soul again? Uh, guys, I really want to, to draw your attention. It says the event date is November 3rd, but registration is, is really a, two weeks away. And it does fill up quickly. You, you really got to kind of jump on there the day of. So I uh, really encourage you uh, to, to make every effort to try to get out there. Um, but I really wanted to kind of point out the, the need to register really as quickly as you can because it does fill up. Okay, Just uh, draw your attention to that. Uh, before we uh, send off the Mexico team, I do want to uh, announce something very special happening on July 2nd, Sunday, July 2nd. Now, you know that uh, for years we have participated in the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association, a group of like five or six uh, churches get together once a month. Uh, well, at our last June meeting, we found out that redemption traditionally uh, reserves a couple of areas at Seoul Park, and on July 2nd, they traditionally do an outdoor church service and have a barbecue afterwards. And so the senior pastors were sitting around a round table over at Redemption, and we're like, hey, we've never had a Sunday church service together. What do you think about? And so we're the very first time the churches of the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association, we're going to do church together. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. at Seoul Park. And the redemption is going to be doing worship. Uh, Pastor Gavin from the Baptist Church is going to bring, bring in the word. And uh, afterwards, if you want to participate, we're waiting for details from redemption. They're going to be doing a barbecue. Of course, you can bring your own food. Uh, so it's a special day to really, you know, and, and I was thinking about this in light of even the, the climate, the culture that we're in. Uh, how great is it for the church of Jesus Christ to gather as the body of Christ and worship the Lord at Soul Park, right? And really, um, I know that um, Good Friday service, you guys love that. When all the churches gather at Libyan, we celebrate Good Friday. And we have been looking and really seeking the Lord for opportunities as churches to gather and really be the body of Christ. 
And this one kind of came up, you know, it's a, a word you, Randy's favorite word around here, organically. And um, it was just, we're talking and we're sharing what's going on in the churches. And this just one thing led to another. And before we knew it, uh, we were going to have an OVMA church service and picnic. Uh, Sunday, July 2nd. Yes. Um, so here's, here's a, a, lo- a logistical thing, just, just so you can help us out. Uh, we have reserved an area. Each church needs to reserve an area because there's a parking capacity and people capacity. But once you park in our area, we're all going to meander over to Redemption's area and have church and barbecue over there, right? But what we've been able to do is we've talked. Uh, Pastor Tyler's done a great job. He's talked with the park, and we're going to try to facilitate free parking for you all. So, um, yeah, so there's a sign-up at the welcome card. All we need is just, you know, a family name. Just put your name down, and, and that represents a car. Now, you guys can carpool if you'd like. But if you put your name on that list, that tells us how many cars that we're going to prepay. Um, so you, when you guys get there, you can just not worry about it. I think it's $5 now. So, so no cost to attend church. Um, but we'd love to have you come out. Uh, of course, you can bring your own food and just your lawn chairs, and it's just going to be the church of the Ojai Valley, worshiping together on a Sunday. Amen? Yeah. All right. So uh, if you do that, and once we get more details about the barbecue and sign-ups and cost, uh, we'll be sure to let you know about that. Okay? Uh, Mexico. Good morning. Uh, we are leaving in a week to go down to Mexico, and um, we're really excited. And we did receive information um, on the families that we're going to be building houses for. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. Um, The first house, actually, is it the first house? Okay. Um, The first picture is a family. um, Their name is the Cutino Reyes family. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Dad is Miguel, and he's a security guard. And Rubicelda is a factory worker. She's the mom. They have two kids, ages 15 and 13. Uh, And I'm just going to reach out with their own words, um, a letter from them. And it says, hello, I'm reaching out to you on behalf of my family and myself in hopes that we could be considered for one of your beautiful homes. Right now, my family of four is sharing one room all together. Every day, the dream of a home seems farther and farther away. We've never received any government help or help from an organization. I felt it was time to try. We believe that between the favor of the Lord and from your part, a home may become a reality for us. A home would mean a brighter future for our children. We hope it will encourage them to stay in school, which is something my husband and I weren't able to do. Thank you. So that's one of the families that we'll be building for um, next week. Not this coming week, but the following week. Uh, And the next family is the Vasquez-Garcia family. Um, father is Noe, and he's a street vendor. The mother is Trinidad, and she does housekeeping. They have three children, ages 15, 6, and 4. Um, and this is the letter from their family. I'm reaching out to you, Homes of Hope, on behalf of my family of five. My family is currently living in a small room that we built. It's barely large enough to fit a full-size bed and a twin bed. It's impossible for us to make our home larger because of all the bills we have, including the land payment, school fees, and groceries. 
A member of our church reached out to us knowing that we need help and told us about Homes of Hope. She had received a home for her family and wanted to share the good news. I hope with all my heart that you're able to help our family. May God bless all of you for your beautiful hearts. Thank you for reading our letter. So these are the letters that they have written to Homes of Hope. Um, And we are so excited to go and meet them and build alongside them and to show them Christ's love. um, Because that's really what we're there to do. And also just to grow as a church um, in relationship and in love for our Redeemer and Rescuer. So I just want to thank all of you. The Lord has provided abundantly for the trip um, through you and through other sources. Um, We've raised $31,258, which is beyond uh, what we were even needing for the house build. Um, So we're really thankful for that, and we're thankful for your prayers. Please be praying for these families. Be praying for the team. Uh, And before I come down, we're going to call the team up, and we'd love for the elders to come up and pray over um, those of us that will be heading down to Mexico for the build. All right, let's pray for this team. Father, God, thank you before the beginning of time. God, you knew that these people were going to answer the call to go to Mexico to build two homes for families that desperately need them. Father, God, would you protect them on their way to and from Mexico while they're on the job site? Lord, would you protect them, keep them safe? Lord, would you show favor over the families that are going to be having a new home that is going to radically change their lives? And Lord Jesus, would you be the center of everything that happens on this trip for their lifetime, for an eternity? God, would you go before this team in love, God? And would you anoint everything that is going to be happening there, every word that is going to be spoken, every prayer lifted up to you, God? for your will to be done. And Lord, we thank you that you are so, so good. Amen.